Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I want to welcome everybody back. Hello, the internet. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I... I've had a baby, so there was that. That's big, big, big news, big deal. Um, Dana big basically deal. lived at the pool this entire summer. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. we're really excited because I don't know if anyone else is feeling it, but I'm really feeling the need to get my, like, the wheels back on the bus, if you, if you will. <laughs> That's the analogy that I've been using with clients, like, or I'll say to Casey sometimes, like, the wheels are feeling like they're off their bus, you know, like, everything feels kind of chaotic. Yeah. And this summer was definitely one of them, you know, we were transitioning with a new baby and everything like that and trying to get into the swing of having a larger household. And then you too, like, with, with working so much and working basically three <laughs> three jobs. Yeah, by choice. <laughs> basically doing that. It's exhausting. And so I feel like the wheels are a little bit off the bus. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, you know, feeling like, okay, it's fall now officially. We're well into September. We couldn't even get the wheels back on the bus enough to do this episode earlier in September. (laughs) It happens, everybody. And I think, you know, it's important to, and we were kind of just talking about this before we started recording, is like, we're people too, you know, like we also kind of get you know, that itch at the end of the summer because before, I was talking to a client about this yesterday, it's like the like September whole 30, right, was like the second biggest time of the year for people to do this because diet culture marketing companies know most people feel very out of a routine at the end of the summer. And then if you have kids or if you're a person who went to school, when we go back into the like back to school September, you know, end of August season, it's a very natural instinct and kind of progression to be like, okay, I want to bring some more intention to different habits that I know make me feel good. But then we also have this kind of complicating factor of if you are a person who's been in the, you know, diet culture world before, which we assume you all have because that's probably how you got here, right, is we have not really been taught how to do that in a non-all or nothing or non-extreme way. So there's kind of this, you know, anxiety or stress of, okay, well, I know I want to do something, but the only way that I know how to do it is a very all or nothing mentality and I don't want to do that. So then people can feel very kind of like paralyzed and stuck and that's, what we want to talk about today and like how you can kind of bring in some structure without it being all or nothing, crazy, dieting, anything like that. I think it feeds really well into the last episode that we did at the beginning of the summer, like when we kind of cut for the break where it was help, if you haven't listened to it, the help I'm feeling in intuitive eating. Because a lot of the times so what happens is people feel like the wheels are off the bus all the time. And then when, especially when you've always used dieting programs and Um, routines and diet type of stuff in order to get the wheels back on the bus so to speak like 
if you don't have that in order to latch on to, how do you then do it? And so a lot of times people feel like they don't know how to get things on some type of structure or routine or how to do that in a real practical in a real practical way for themselves without it becoming this perfectionistic all or nothing type of type of role in your life. And so I think interestingly enough and probably very intentionally, we this feeds into the last episode that we did. And I think a lot of people can feel this so much in the fall. And I think in a lot of ways too, when we're trying to bring more intention back in um, with routine, and we're going to refer to this a lot as more of a framework, more than a routine or structure, because we really do think it's more of a framework than it is really anything else. It can sometimes lead to a lot of anxiety and a lot of ways that we do that and way that we manage our anxiety. And especially if you have a history with a lot of dieting behaviors, a lot of control type things, ha dieting is control based stuff, which you've heard us talk about is we lean into perfectionism, you know, and that can lead us into feeling overwhelmed and kind of burnt out and all of the things. So how do we do this and how do we create a framework for ourselves that's actually supportive um, and not going to make us feel bad and guilty when we when we don't stick to something that's so perfectionistic and, and, and quite frankly, too aggressive? I don't know about you, Christina, but anytime I... I'm talking about guidelines or structure with intentional flexibility or anything like that. The first thing that I think of is Pirates of the Caribbean when they're talking about like rules and she's like, they're not really rules. They're like more like guidelines anyways. Like Kiera Knightley, every, like I quoted this yesterday to a client. I, it just, I can't stop it. It's like movie quote word vomit. But anyway, the other thing that I wanted to touch on that I've been talking about a lot more with clients in line with the nervous system and burnout and everything like that because, you know, we love to talk about that on this podcast, right, is when we fall into patterns of perfectionism, it's important to give ourselves a little bit of grace and like a permission slip as well because while on the one hand we can acknowledge that, yes, those types of, you know, very rigidly structured programs which do cater to perfectionism – can lead to overwhelm and burnout. There's a reason why we deviated towards those in the past, right? Because perfectionism and perfectionism derived, uh, you know, structure and stuff like that is really used in times of feeling out of control as a coping tool in an attempt to create safety, right? It won't, you want to make yourself feel better, right? So what we want to acknowledge as well is like, for some people, just the thought of getting rid of a all-or-nothing or perfectionist structure is scary because it's a threat to that tentative safety that you feel like you've created, right? So if it feels scary for you that we're like, no, we're not doing the all-or-nothing thing, we're not doing the perfectionistic thing, we want to just validate that that's a very normal feeling to have because this is kind of a new avenue that we're going to be taking, right? Because one of the most common things that we hear from our clients is like, okay, I feel very, you know, untethered at certain times, whether it's like the end of the summer or the end of December or, you know, different times in your life if you've been traveling a lot or you're heading into a new season in your life from a different one. And again, like we mentioned before, it's very natural to want to bring some structure in. But when the only way that you know how to do that is perfectionistic, that even the thought of wanting, the intention of wanting to bring more structure in can be triggering 
to bring you back to that time where you were very, very restrictive, right? So what we want to, you know, always reiterate is we're always doing things from an add-in mentality rather than a restrictive mentality. And it's never going to be perfectionistic. Like even when we do give you this foundation of a structure or framework or whatever we want to call it, whatever feels best for you, we don't want you to do this 100% of the time, right? One of the things that we are going to be talking a lot about about a lot more in the future is this concept of bringing in intentional flexibility so that there is no expectation or, you know, there's nothing that's making you want to do this or forcing you to do this or shoulding you to do this in a perfectionistic all or nothing way. That is the opposite of what we want. Yeah, you need to be able to deviate, you know, and like in a way that feels natural and fluid in your life because the the minute you take away deviating, it it in turn can become that perfectionistic, shamey type of language that you're going to hear inside. And so if you go into this with, I can't be flexible, we can't deviate from this plan, this is what it is, it immediately in some ways makes us feel really comforted you're like oh great I have a plan this feels good I'm going to do all these things but then when it then it when the when there's a sharp left turn when you get a flat tire (laughs) and then you can't handle it and then you're like oh I can't get back on back on like back on quote unquote the track that we all talk about or the wagon that we all talk about a lot then we then feel like it's even harder for us to get into the routine and then we have that shame-based language and then we think we need to be stricter about it like oh my gosh the reason why I didn't work before was because I need to be tighter about it and really what we need to remember is we need to be able to be fluid and we need to allow the framework and and all of that to be to be to to be to to deviate sometimes you know like sometimes you're gonna have a weekend where it's full of birthday parties, like this one for me, like we're taking Ella to two different birthday parties. I'm like, when the hell am I going to get anything done? But we're going to figure it out. You know, like the wheels are going to be off the bus a little bit. Like the structure is not going to be there quite the same. So we're not grocery shopping on Saturday and Sunday because we, we won't be able to. So we're going to figure out something else and come up with a new, a new fluidity for this weekend. And I think everyone can relate to that a lot. And I think, um, especially, you know, just because it's the end of summer doesn't mean that there aren't fun things to do on the weekends <laughs> anymore, right? And so it's just different. I think we tend to forget that that things are going to come up and allowing for that fluidity is so unbelievably important because otherwise if you don't, all that shame language just comes creeping in immediately. And that shame language paired with the all or nothing mentality and not having that flexibility is one of the main things that can drive an unintentional binge restrict cycle, right? And so one of the, if you are, if you feel like you're in that, right, and you're, you're either doing all the things or like the wheels are off the bus kind of thing, working on this concept of intentional flexibility is going to be one of the main ways that can help you get out of that intentional unintentional, whatever it is, binge restrict cycle, all or nothing mentality, right? Um, because there's it, there is this internal struggle of 
wanting to be less all or nothing and be more, you know, whether you want to call it neutral nutrition, intuitive eating, wholehearted eating, but then not knowing how. So this is where we want to turn this episode into something very practical, right? Giving you a lot of tips. We're also making a PDF that's going to go out with this episode. You just click on it in the show notes. Um, But we want to give you a couple of tips and tricks that we use with our clients, we use with ourselves on how to implement a, you know, intentionally flexible but still structured framework basically just to make sure that we have food on the table right without it feeling restrictive or feeling a scarcity vibe or anything like that or as in the way that some of my clients would refer to it as living off the urban land like if you don't have any kind of plan or design in your life for any kind of structure it could be very it's very easy to get caught up in the day-to-day life that you forget to go to the grocery store that week or you don't carve out the time to be intentional about making sure that you have groceries and so what in a very real real sense we are say make sure that you have food in the pantry you know (laughs) you know because if you don't make sure that you have food in the pantry in some type of plan then you're going to spend your entire adult life turning to your friends or your partner or yourself saying what's for dinner And and I'm really tired of having my most of my adult conversations include what's for dinner like the perpetual especially fall question so I think a big part of this structure is really about making food accessible. Ordering groceries, picking up groceries, making your favorite things to have available in your fridge and your pantry and things like that. And we're going to break down for you very clearly the different categories of the stuff that you might want to include in that in that structured accessibility to food and the accessibility to being able to prepare foods at home if you choose to prepare foods at home. Your plan might be, I'm in the weeds, I'm working all the time, or I have all these things going on, we're leaning into Grubhub this month and that's where we're going with it and that's totally fine too. So we also want to make room, like that can also be the plan, you know, (laughs) that can be the plan too. So I think that's really important to note that we're not saying that the only way to be intentional and intentionally flexible is by creating a meal plan that you're making things at home. And sometimes the plan is planning for this is really rough right now. So we're going to lean on these other types of convenience and supportive things if we have it in our budget to do so. Yeah, I mean, it really depends, right? So the first thing that we always need to do is like awareness, right? Like what's my biggest struggle right now, right? And then also saying, you know, like, what's my budget, you know? Because making more meals at home is more frugal than doing takeout, right? So it's like, okay, well, what do I have the budget for, right? Because we're not trying to say, if you don't have any time, then you have to be eating all of your meals out, right? Because a lot of people don't, most people don't have the budget for that, right? But so, you can kind of find a middle ground. So like, for example, in the summer when I coach swimming full-time and work full-time, I have no time to make any meals, right? So it's something that we do in our newsletter every week is we give out recommendations for things that we're loving lately. And this can be anything from like books to recipes to, you know, um, we're talking about currently like a uh, pregnancy and postpartum friendly coffee brand that Christina has been loving that you may hear about later. But 
One of the things that I recommended over the summer and I have recommended in years past is when you have no time, do something like a prepared meals delivery service, right? And there's a whole bunch of them now. One of the one or two of the ones that I've used in the past are Freshly and Territory meals. And it's just like, I order it, shows up on my doorstep on Sunday and I've got, you know, six meals ready to go. I don't, I pop it in the microwave. That's it. You know, that was the extent of the, you know, quote, meal prep that I was doing. So it doesn't have to look any particular way. And one of the other things that we're going to talk about as well, because you guys know we are clinical nutritionists, right? We also want to bring an element of nutrition into the equation, but without it being a moral compass type decision, right? We're not here to say, oh, well, cooking all of your meals at home is morally superior and nutritionally superior to getting takeout, right? Like we're not here to do that because if the main issue is we need to get food on the table, some food is better than no food, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Eating is better than not eating. Shocker, but you know, it's the reality. <laughs> no way. Blasphemy. What? Um, but I think it's important to like, to kind of piggyback off what you're saying here, Dana, about around um that there's no moral superiority here there absolutely isn't and there's just no room for that right like everyone's at a different phase of their life and of their week and of their month and of their year and so to me it's really about how do we make sure that we are always saying from a wholehearted eating perspective is how do I marry the things that my body needs with the things that I crave and desire and where I am in my season of my life you know sometimes that is I'm living off the urban land a little bit more, or I need to take advantage of things like the farmer's fridge or freshly or territory or these things that like we were talking about those prepared foods type stuff. Or it can be as simple as giving ourselves permission to buy more convenience-based foods, right? Instead of feeling like I have to DIY everything, you don't have to buy the whole the whole butternut squash and cut it up. You can actually get pre-cut stuff and make it Give yourself those five extra minutes to yourself too. Five? Like an hour? <laughs> Who's doing butternut squash in five minutes? Because I need those knife skills. <laughs> but anyways, the whole point is that you have this time. Again, it takes into budgetary concerns and thinking about it too. But you have to weigh that out from your own personal perspective. But I think before we get into some of those nuanced things, I think I want to circle back to something that Dana had mentioned about finding what area is the most challenging for you. And I think that's really important. A lot of times when we're going into meal preppery, if you will, or this building this framework or trying to create a routine for ourselves, we think we need to revamp the entire system and that we need every single thing to have be at home, fresh, whatever it is. That's not a whole bunch of diet culture, dieting, mumbo jumbo that we've been absorbed for so long. And you absolutely don't have to do that. That's where the perfectionism, that's where the all or nothing mentality comes creeping in and completely takes over. So if you're feeling that kind of energy and you're feeling that, I want you to to, to remind yourself and give yourself a little bit of a permission here that you're going to cool it a little bit and choose one meal one meal time or area that's the most challenging for you. And I want you to start with that one thing. So the first thing you're going to do when you're thinking about, I want to start implementing more of a routine or this framework that we're talking about is I want you to ask yourself, what is my biggest obstacle to having a little bit more of a routine? What is the hardest area for me? 
Is it lunch? Is it that workday lunch? Is it dinner time that's the most challenging for me? Is it breakfast because I'm running out the door and I just, I, I forget to eat breakfast and I really want to have breakfast in the morning. What is it for you that's making it the most challenging? I want you to choose that one area and then focus everything that we're talking about from here on out on that one area. We're not going to revamp the whole bus. Yeah. And if you're having trouble deciding like, okay, well, I struggle in so many different areas, I want you to think about like, if one, if this one thing could be taken care of, it would make your life so much easier, right? Or if you're coming at it from a chronic symptom management standpoint and you're wondering like, ooh, you know, like I feel really, for example, we talk about blood sugar a lot. So if you're feeling really tired in the afternoon and, you know, everything like that, and my nutritionist, Dana or Christina, has been telling me that if I had, if I added more of something to my lunch, then I would have more, you know, steady energy throughout the rest of the afternoon. If that's one thing that you just can't, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, you haven't been able to do that. And your main thing that you want to work on is your steady energy levels, then we back it up and that's the main thing that we want to work on, right? So you can approach this from a couple of different ways. Either like, wow, my life would be so much easier if this was just taken care of, or wow, my symptoms would be a lot better if I just focused on this one thing, right? So if you have a whole laundry list of things that you want to work on, again, we're trying to get rid of that perfectionist mindset. Like Christina said, we're not trying to do an entire overhaul because the overwhelm of trying to do an entire life routine overhaul can create enough anxiety and stress to make you not do anything. And that's not what we want to do. Not to mention that I, I say this a lot to clients and I don't know if I've, I feel like I have said it here too, but a lot of this too is meeting us where our capacity is today, you know, and building on capacity. You can't, go from like I'm burnout city to I'm revamping everything and implementing all these new things to and, and expecting that to resolve your burnout. Like uh -uh. it's actually going to compound it and make it even worse. But instead, if you think about here's my obstacle, here's this challenging area, what would feel really great if this could be resolved for me? That if you're able to do that, that increases your capacity. And the chain reaction that happens as a result of that, that ripple effect that comes from that, then you might say like, okay, I have lunches under control. Wow, I have a little bit more energy now. Wow, I might actually have more space to prep a little bit of like snack items to have when I'm on the go that I can remember to have available to me. So I think also thinking about it from that way too, it's it's where you can't resolve burnout with more productivity tasks. <laughs> that's not that's not how it works. And we're going to have a we're going to have a guest on who's going to talk about that in in length. But that's not how you it's going to ever get resolved. Like that's not how it works. That's the quote for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, you know, the person that we want to have on the podcast in the future, Crystal Frenzy Frazzy is going to talk about this a lot, but that's like something that she talks about. Like you're not going to resolve burnout with more productivity. And like we tend to think that that's the way it goes. And it is so like when you say it so bluntly, it's like, well, no shit. But yet that's all we all try to ever do, myself included, is what kind of system can I create that's really intense and overwhelming to manage? Christina loves systems, guys. 
like manage this this whole this whole thing and so like sometimes it's not a matter of that it's like a matter of good enough for one area and I think building on that capacity and going from there is really really important and so when you feel like you're trying to take over the whole the whole rigmarole and create a system for a larger problem take a huge huge step back and think about one thing that'd be really nice to either take off your plate or create some support around it to make it easier for you. Yeah. So when we're getting into the practical framework of like, okay, well, how do we do this? The first thing I want you to think about when we're going into, okay, how am I going to build my weekly non-diet meal food framework, whatever it is, right? I want you to think about your prerequisites, right? Do you have kids? Do you live alone? Is it just you and a partner, right? Like who are we feeding? What are our needs, right? Do we have different dietary needs? Do we have allergies? Do we have symptoms to manage? Do we have other, you know, neurodivergent things like ADHD or sensory, you know, concerns that are going on, right? And also what's your capacity? What's your budget, right? So that's kind of your baseline. All of the tools and the tips and the tricks and all the things that we're going to give you today, I want you to think of this as a toolbox, not a to-do list, okay? So it's more you can pick and choose what you think is going to be useful for you. We're going to give you a ton of different tools, but we don't want you to feel like I have to try every single one of these tools out to know which one fits right for me. (laughs) It's we're giving you a bunch of ideas and we want you to pick and choose given your prerequisites what you either would like to try and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means it was the wrong screwdriver for that nail or screw or whatever it is, right? It's something else that you can try. (laughs) Clearly, I'm very handy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Screwdrivers do not fit in nails. Hey, you can use the other end and just hammer it down. (laughs) Hell yeah, you can. I've been there. I've done it. Which is why I'm not trusted to hang up anything that needs to be stable to hold other things like shelves no christina just paints the whole house when she's stressed (laughs) yeah if you guys hear me talking about a new painting project the wheels are off the bus guy you know she's stressed so anyways so i think one of the things that i like how dana's talking about thinking about it from your own personal world that you're living in and then we want to build a framework from that from there. We know that we have our own framework for making sure that we're getting the nutrients that we need. So how do we build our weekly non-diet quote-unquote meal plan? How do we do that, right? How do we take into consideration these different things that we have that are contributing to things that we like contributing to things that we have to be thoughtful about, you know? Like I have a toddler. Sometimes she's not going to have certain types of things, so I'm not going to make certain types of meals for her and each family is a little bit different some families do really well with a framework by the nights of the week right where it's going to be I'm going to pasta night taco night crock pot night rice bowl night stir fries breakfast for dinner all these different things like when they can have those types of themes that to me feels too restrictive it always kind of has and so it's always been really difficult for me to implement that but there are people out there where that's really really helpful and a family really loves to have a nightly theme and that can be really supportive and it can change from night to night and what that can look like another framework that I've been working on with some clients of mine that I find to be a lot broader that can be really helpful too is by thinking about 
the meals broken into categories instead of themes. So one of the things I have this idea between maintenance meals, takeout meals, leftovers, and fun new meals. So a maintenance meal sounds a little diety, but it's, it's not at all. It's really just a meal that you feel really confident and it's easy and simple to prepare. These are the things that your family gravitates towards and that you know how to make and that you typically always have the ingredients for, you know, like it's your repertoire meals, which we'll get into. Yeah, your repertoire meals. Exactly. And so you're going to choose which ones do I have available that I can have this that I can kind of plan out how many what are those meals? What does that look like? And then the one to two takeout, right, is either sometimes I'm ordering it out or I'm order or I'm making a takeout type meal at home like we did just recently did a pork fried rice night and it was takeout at home because I was craving Chinese food and it's really difficult to get Chinese food when you have celiac disease so and then the other one is you know leftovers that's pretty self-explanatory and then the fun new meals is this is the the list that you have in a secret place where you are all the meals that you want to make but feel overwhelmed to make every day and that this is <laughs> in your saved section on Instagram or TikTok. <laughs> yeah, this is in the saved section or um, like and then when you go to in history if anyone feels me here what I would do is I would go into that section and pick out five meals that I was going to make from scratch that week for dinner and then I never made even one of them sometimes. So this one instead is taking it from a different perspective of saying, okay, I'm going to allow for one night for that to happen. Maybe that's a, a weekend night if it's a more complicated meal or it's a, or it's a weekday meal, depending on the complexity of it, but there's something new that you want to try. But one of the things that I thought was interesting that played in real life, I think a lot of us can relate to, is I have a client of mine who really loves going to the farmer's market and loves what's to see what is fresh and what inspires them. And they really have this desire to wanting to make, um, because they love it so much, to make their meal meal plan for the week based off of what they see at the farmer's market, which is a beautiful idea if you have nothing but time and availability and can kind of mosey around and then have plenty of time during the week to fill in at the local grocery store for whatever meals you want to get. Like that totally makes sense. And that's why sometimes I refer to this meal as like your whimsy meal. Um, like it's, it's kind of like whimsical and you're kind of thinking like, oh, this is inspiring. Maybe you just watched an episode of Anthony Bourdain or something. And you're like, I want to make something fancy, you know? Um, <laughs> but, but if you are getting, getting stuck with implementing, having food available and the, the main goal is having accessibility at your home for meals and you're getting caught up in the, I want to have everything from the fresh and the farmer's market. You need to take a huge step back from the pressure that you're putting on one day, one shopping experience without, especially if you're going there without any kind of plan in mind and allowing it to be one fun new meal instead of thinking I need to get everything from there. But you can use it to create your grocery list. 
right? So to fill in the things that you're getting from your grocery list, especially if you have like a maintenance, your maintenance meals or your repertoire meals that we've been talking about too. So like an example of that is taking something like, let's say, you know, you need broccoli for your, some of your, one of your maintenance meals or something like that. And you know that it's in season and you see it at the farmer's market, then you can grab that while you're there. But you know that there's a plan in mind for it, what meal it's going to be going towards. And that helps us maintain a couple of things. One, the structure and the framework that we're looking for. And two, waste. One of the things I hear the most about clients of mine is when they try to do too many things in one week that are all new, all fresh, and then they burn out from that is waste. They say that I end up wasting so much food and it's very frustrating and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's the thing that I'm talking about when it comes to making that fun meal is every meal we want to be fun and enjoyable and whatever, but trying to do all of the things from one experience is a lot of pressure to put on one experience. And then it's really easy to get overwhelmed and then not do anything at all. Because you're burned out because you try to do too many things. <laughs> every time. And that's what you don't ever meal pro don't ever meal plan grocery shop and then cut up stuff all on the same day and expect to eat i always tell my clients when you're going on days when you go grocery shopping pick up a frozen pizza while you're at the grocery store for your next meal after you get home from the grocery store <laughs> yeah yeah or right? before you go throw something in your slow cooker or whatever that's like super easy right like one of my favorite things to do in the slow cooker is like a low and slow like pork shoulder. Um, and if I really want to get a lot of flavor out of it, I'll put like a spice blend that I make on it the night before, which is actually so great because then in the morning, all I have to do is flip that container over into the slow cooker and set it to go. And then that night, it's good to go. I don't have to do anything to prep the main protein. And usually if you're making a pork shoulder, it's going to give you a ton of leftovers too, which is awesome. Um, but so we're going to talk about even more practical tips of like, okay, how do I do this? You know, like on a weekly basis. But before we even get into that, if you want to make this even easier for yourself by letting present you plan for future you and making future you's life easier, what you can start to do is think about two main things or maybe three is one, what are the things that I always like to have on hand in my pantry or fridge or freezer? And then write those down, right? And then as you're making a list to go to the grocery store or meal plan or anything, just double check and make sure you have that stuff, right? Or anytime you run out of it, circle it on your list, right? Or highlight it, whatever it is. You can even, I have some clients that I've done this for where I will help them make one of these like pantry staples lists and then they just print out a bunch of copies or they put it on their phone and then it's just always there, right? The other thing that you can do is think about what's in your go-to recipe repertoire, right? So when we're thinking about the maintenance meals that Christina was talking about, what are the things that you and your family love to eat? You don't even need to look at a recipe, or if you do, it's one of those recipes that has so many cooking stains on it that you already know where the page is, right? And then write down a couple of those, right? Because if we're using this uh, framework of, I wanna have two or three maintenance meals that are just like, I don't need brain power for this, you know, each week. You don't want to be eating the same thing every week most of the time. You know, some people don't mind. But if you want some options to switch it up, 
Think about what are your maintenance meals, right? What are your, you know, repertoire meals? The reason I keep calling it that is I was talking to Christine about this before we started recording is when we were talking about this concept, it reminds me a lot of how I learned to play piano when I was younger. So I did what's called the Suzuki method, which is where when you're younger, this will date me. Um, I used to listen to cassette tapes every single night of the songs that I was supposed to learn that week in piano lessons. And so what they would do is you would listen to these songs every single night before you went to bed and then you would try to what's called finger them out on the piano, right? Which is where you're not using sheet music at first to learn. You then get it later. But then every week, whenever I was learning a new song, I also had to practice a repertoire or repertory of, you know, five to ten songs depending on how old you are, no sheet music or anything, right? I could play them from memory. But that's how we want you to think about these recipes, right? Like which things, they don't even have to be recipes. It can be like box Annie's mac and cheese, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's what are the things that are go-to easy recipes for you that you and your family love to eat every week. And the goal is to have at least a couple of those. And then as you try these new fun meals or figure out what you like to have for leftovers or you have takeout or try takeout recipes, eventually the ones that become easy go-to staples for you can go into your repertoire because it'll be really easy for you to repeat those, you know, week to week. And then once you have that list of meals, even if it's just only two, you then want to add those ingredients to your staple grocery list to make sure you always have it on hand. Yeah, exactly. And like a good example of that for, for us personally has been the half-baked harvest apricot chicken recipe like we've decided that we usually always have most of the stuff that goes in there but we don't always have apricot preserves so now we always have apricot preserves and we do that as part of that that meal planning that looking for type stuff and that's the same type of concept that we we talk about too with emergency meals too like especially if you tend towards having anxiety or you have periods of depression where your capacity gets severely limited pretty quickly Having a list of emergency meals like buttered noodles, like Mac Annie's mac and cheese or mac and craft mac and cheese, whatever you like to have available, having it there. Uh, one of the things that we like to have available too is like, you know, um, ravioli, you know, or something like that. Having jarred um, pasta sauce available, having, you know, all these different types of things that you can quickly make something really simple. That's an emergency meal that you have available in your home all the time. And then you use that to help make sure that you're assessing that each week to make sure that you have those things. Because what good is an emergency foods list? If you don't have the foods for the emergency foods, yeah. you know, like it's not an emergency that it's a new task. <laughs> so it's, and sometimes the emergency meals can be your favorite takeout places. So I think also that too, writing that list down and having that there available is equally as important of like, where should we order from tonight? Oh, I don't know. Where do we like to go? Like all the different stuff and having maybe a list of, you know, your family favorites, um, like that are available to you right then and there. And then you're going to make your grocery list based off of those things. What are the foods you, you always want to have on hand for those quick meals? What are the maintenance meals this week that you'd like to, to have the foods available and accessible to you to make? What's the one fun new meal that you'd like to try and what groceries are needed in order to execute that? 
it takes the whole, this can sound like semi overwhelming, but when you take it down to the, the, the fact of you're really only adding in one new thing. And you don't even have to do that if you don't want to, right? If yeah. this is a week where you your kids have dance one night and soccer one night and blah, 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 like all of the things or you're traveling for work or whatever it is, the first thing to go <laughs> should be yeah, the thing that takes the most effort, whatever yeah. that is for you, right? Remember, these are all options. They're all yeah. different tools that you can use, right? So our ultimate goal for you all for this episode is pick and choose what you think sounds practical, realistic, and fun or doable for you over the next couple of weeks, months, whenever you listen to this episode, we're always here for you. And think about what you'd like to try. And remember, even if you try something, you're like, oh, that didn't work for me. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That just means that tool wasn't for you. You try something else. I think another thing that I'd like for everyone to remember as well at the very, like as we kind of wrap up this whole idea of these practical tools is I think sometimes one of the things that we get caught up with with meal planning is that we think that the meal has to look like a quote unquote perfect plate. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed because you don't have to do that. You can make a snack tapas night. You can make a charcuterie plate night and it still is going to have all the nutrients that you need to survive like, and quite frankly thrive. Yeah. And who doesn't love a night where it feels really relaxed and chilled out? Breakfast for so, dinner. My mom used to do that all dinner. the time when we were kids and we loved it. Yes, yeah, same. And another thing, so if you have children, right, and you want to include them in this, one of the things that we've been doing with Elodie is we've been doing our brief meal planning on you know, when we're having breakfast on Sunday morning together and I'll ask her, what meal do you want? What do you want to have for dinner one night? And she yelled out one day waffles. So I was like, perfect. We're making mini waffles for dinner one night. And here we go. <laughs> and then we, you know, and it was simple and easy to do. And we made sure that we had what we had, what we needed available for it. And I think including them in that can really help with the process too, because I think part of the issue that comes up with a lot of us, but that circling back to the beginning where you talked about how that conversation of what are we going to have for dinner tonight? The literal decision fatigue of having to decide what to make every night is literally exhausting in so many ways. And really what we're trying to do here is take away some of that exhaustion with a really simple kind of easily accessible way of just making food more available in your home and without it being too strict, too overwhelming and allowing yourself to deviate from that plan because it's not an overly strict plan. Intentionally. <laughs> Intentionally, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And if you all are wondering about, because I was <laughs> me, the non-parent on the episode, if you all were wondering about like, okay, this sounds great for, you know, like our family or me or whatever it is, like what do I do about like kids' school lunches and stuff? Next week's episode is exactly when we're going to be talking about that. Yes, absolutely. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope this is helpful. And make sure that you snag the download. Yeah, for, like, it'll be in the show notes. Kind of so if you've been taking vigorous notes this entire time, stop now. I'm sorry. We should have told you <laughs> at the beginning, don't take notes. <laughs> We're sorry. Uh, stop now and uh, just download something really easy to help you out. Yeah. And, you know, we always 
encourage this. If you have questions about this episode, if you have, if you want us to do more episodes like this, if there's a guest that or somebody that you love following on Instagram or TikTok or whatever that you think would be awesome that has some really cool framework that's been useful for you, shoot us an email or, you know, message us on Instagram. We're a wholehearted eating pod. Um, if you want to email us, it's hello at wholeheartedeating.com. We love hearing from you guys. We're going to be doing quarterly listener questions episodes. So we always, whenever we get an email or a DM or whatever it is, we have a little file that we go to in our notion where we organize everything and all the listener questions and stuff. So we will be doing one of those again soon. Um, And we, you know, have heard from you all that those are very, very helpful. So they're catered to you. So let us know what you want to know, what you want us to talk about. And we are eternally grateful that you are here. Yes, thank you. And if you like this episode, leave us a note. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends, any of the above. And uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Peace. Peace out. I'll leave that in. It's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.